Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store, located at 1200 Central Avenue in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Hello and welcome to Grape Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what's in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories, the culture, and the history behind the wine. I'm Julie Glenn. And I'm Gina Birch. We also keep an eye on what's in the news in general and, of course, in the wine world especially. Um, every time I turn on the news right now, I see flames ripping through California and have the talk about how Sonoma is burning again. And it you know, just breaks my heart. I just I can't watch it. And I have so many friends out there and, you know, living so far away, Julie and I, uh, we re- record this podcast in Florida. It's really hard to know what's really happening. Yeah. The Kincaid fire started about two weeks ago on October 23rd. And for a point of reference, we're here talking about this on November 6th. And 78,000 acres are currently burning and 180,000 have been evacuated. It sounds overwhelming and all-encompassing, but it's hard to really know what's going on from all the way across the country by watching like a 60-second news story Mm -hmm. on the evening news. It's also easy to get geographically confused when you're not a native to the area. So we thought we'd talk to one of our friends who lives in wine country for a closer look at what's really going on with the Kincaid Fire. Welcome Lisa Matson. She's the Director of Marketing and Communications for Jordan Vineyard and Winery. It's in Healdsburg. Lisa, thank you for taking time out during a busy time of the year to join us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Things are are finally getting back to normal here in the uh, Alexander Valley in northern Sonoma, and we're, we're excited to be back to work. And the skies are beautiful and blue and it's sunny and leaves are changing color and olive harvest is happening and so it's if you were here right now you would say i can't believe that there was a fire you know a week ago and because even i was out with some tourists last night at a a tasting room and they said the same thing like they came here from texas they had friends that told them don't go don't go Mm. and they came anyway and they just arrived yesterday and they're like it's gorgeous we would we have we would have had no idea there was a fire at all. It's probably a perfect time to be there then since some people may have canceled. You get right in, no reservation required. <laughs> yeah. you can get, I got a parking spot on the Healdsburg Square last night what? to go into Dukes and have a cocktail with friends. Uh, that, that doesn't happen. That usually doesn't happen no. <laughs> over November. And, you know, this is, a, this is a really busy time for you with, with harvest, you mentioned. Um, how has the uh, fires uh, done anything or affected the harvest in any way for, from what you know or what you've experienced or both? Well, there, there's a, a few important facts to know. Um, one is that with Sonoma County being such a large, um, vast county, there's more than a million acres in our county, mm. only 7%, less than, less than 7% actually, of the county burned. It was mostly in kind of a remote side, the northeastern side of the county, in the Mayacomas Mountain Range, and only about 1% of our vineyards were in that 
burn zone, if you will. So in terms of Sonoma County and the impact, it's extremely small on our on our uh, wine business. Um, from Jordan's perspective, um, we had finished harvest uh, the Friday before the fire broke out. The fire broke out on a Wednesday night, so it's we were you know five days finished with harvest. So all of our wines, um, our grapes were off the vine. The vines were in the tank. Everything was safe. Um, we have generators here on the property, so we never lost power. Oh, that's good. Um, due to the due to the power shutoffs by PG&E, which are um, Pacific Gas and Electric, there were a few wineries that were um, impacted by the fire, but it's it's you know kind of isolated incidents and um, fortunately like Robert Young Winery out in the Alexander Valley the fire um, went through their property the first night but they were there the firefighters um, came and they were able to save you know their historic buildings their new Scion house they did lose a barn and I forget a few other things that they mentioned on the website but then Garden Creek Vineyard, which is one of our grape growers for Jordan, um, they had just picked uh, their uh, half of their Cabernet Hillside for us. The Thursday before, I was in the vineyard with, with Justin on the gondola, so that would have been the 17th of October. And then, you know, a, a week later, he hadn't picked all of his fruit on the other side of the hill for his own wine. And when the fire broke out, they were out picking at midnight, trying to get mm. the, the fruit off the vine. And then, unfortunately, the fire just really kicked up, and so they had to switch and become firefighters. Put down the picking, you know, the picking oh. shears and the buckets and start fighting the fire. Wow. And they were able to save um, two of their family homes, um, the Millers, the owners, and their father's uh, home. He passed away a few years ago, and, and um, you know, that home means a lot to them. They were able to save that, their winery and their tasting room, but um, their vineyard workers' home and three other rental houses that they have on their properties um, were lost. And so that's... Um, terribly unfortunate mm-hmm. where the John Jordan Foundation where um, John Jordan the owner of the winery has a has a, a nonprofit foundation here and we're um, we're working with them on, on trying to help their their um, vineyard workers and the Sonoma County uh, wine grape growers foundation is also we're also um, trying to help with them to get to get them some um, some support so it's you know it's it's here and there what we're what we're seeing a lot with the wine with the vineyards if the fire went through that area through the mountains and came down uh, vineyards hold a lot of water so we're still hearing the the story that we heard two years ago when there was a fire um, down in Santa Rosa that vineyards are really natural fire breaks since they hold that much water they do not burn so you'll see a little bit of singeing on the outside of the vineyard or um, some irrigation lines at the end of the vineyard might melt because those are plastic and those have to be replaced. But by and large, um, the vineyards are looking really good, even for our vineyards, because we had several growers in that part, that portion of Geyserville that um, the fire came very close to or went around or skirted near that first night of the fire. And uh, everybody's looking really good. I mean, we had, you know, Garden Creek, as I mentioned, is probably the, one of the most unfortunate um, and then uh, we had another grower, Brett Munsell, who lost a very young vineyard, so it was too small to, you know, have enough water, be a big enough plant to survive. Mm. Um, so, but he hadn't been, um, you know, selling that fruit yet. It's still, a, it's still a terrible loss. But um, there's been, by and large, we're just we are very lucky. Our growers are very lucky, um, other than uh, Garden Creek, and none of them lost. Uh, 
none of the other growers lost homes or their family homes or their vineyard workers Good. didn't lose homes except for Garden yeah. Creek. So that's great. I mean, we did have the two wineries, as you've probably, as your listeners have probably seen uh, in the news. Um, Soda Rock uh, Winery had an historic building that uh, burned. Um, and but their barn, I went out yesterday. They're already doing tastings. They have this really beautiful barn next to the mm. winery that they used for special events, and they've turned that into a tasting bar. They've got a sign up that says, you know, recovery begins today. Come to our barn tasting. <laughs> they're not skipping a beat. Uh, you know, so their employees are still there working. Um, it's just really remarkable. And uh, Silver Oak has um, doesn't have any damages, but they were, you know, at the corner where the fire came through and so they reopened today um, which is great i did hear through um, some friends from texas as i mentioned that are here um, on a wine tasting vacation that they did go to hannah yesterday they went to soda grok so it's really great you can drive right through the the 128 corridor um, past jordan so the fire didn't the fire made it to our back edge of our property which is still more than a mile scary though our our winery, but yeah, it's very scary. It made it to the back corner, and some firefighters, uh, one of one of whom used to work at Jordan, um, fought off this spot fire to keep it from uh, crossing over to Jordan. And, and uh, the fire, with the wind, continued to push south of us. So we, you know, we had a nail biter of a night that second round with the fire. So it was kind of like it it came through. Middle Geyserville on the 23rd, as uh, Julie mentioned, that first night, and then on the 26th and 27th, Saturday night into Sunday morning is when it made its next move, and that was kind of uh, more in the southern southeast corner of Alexander Valley into the Chalk Hill area. So, yeah, you're talking about the winemaking part with the temperature protection and the and making sure that that stays on track with the loss of power. But I'm kind of wondering also about the impacts of smoke on things because, you know, fire has this obvious line of demarcation. You know where it was at, but the smoke moves. Um, so I'm wondering if that smoke would have any impact on people who hadn't gotten their fruit off of the vine yet or if that's something that can be avoided. And then uh, – Further down the line, I'm wondering if there are places where there may be wine that's aging that could have been impacted by smoke infiltration or if, you know, especially if somebody had an open tank waiting for a pump over that couldn't happen because they didn't have a generator. So the Sonoma County... Wine Grape Growing Commission, Krista Cruz is the director there, and she's, you know, talked with all the growers, and she's reporting that 95% of the grapes in Sonoma County were already picked. Good. Okay. Um, by the time of the fire, you know, this is very late in the season, and, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon is a late ripening variety, so the vineyards that still had some Cabernet on the vine in Sonoma, there were a few, um, but not a lot, and yes, if, if you know, smoke or fire comes close to grapes, even a thick-skinned grape like Cabernet Sauvignon, it can take on some of those, um, you know, campfire smells and Mm. aromas into the grapes. So I would say most of the growers, the the few that had um, grapes still on the vine, you know, they'll probably pick it just to see um, what it does, but usually those those grapes will be um, good. And there are some things that you can do in winemaking to try to, you know, 
try to get upset it. But it really, it, <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. It, you know, from what I've heard from talking to winemaker friends, it really uh, doesn't work. I mean, we're fortunate we haven't had, you know, that type of situation um, since we've already been picked uh, before this fire and haven't really had any any fire impacts over the years. I mean, I, I do remember in 2008 there was a fire in Mendocino County in the summer that um, it, the effect that it had on Pinot Noir up there was pretty significant because Pinot has oh, thin yeah. skin. Yeah, that thin skin. It even, took, it even took it on in the summer, and so they had that with wines that were they're bottled in the in the um, the next year, but you know, crushed that fall and then bottled the next year and took on some of that little smoky kind of scent to them. Is there any risk of any of that smoke infiltrating other things, like such as like bottles that are laying and aging, or barrels, or I mean, a tank? I would imagine no. no. Not, um, from what I from what I understand, no. As long as, of course, if your tanks are closed. So, for example, when the when the fire broke out, um, Jordan had two active fermentations going. That means our tank lids were open. And our vents in the ceiling were open because you want to make sure that the CO2, the byproduct of the fermentation, gets escapes out of the building. So Maggie um, Cruz, our winemaker, had to get up at you know two three a.m. when she knew about the fire, rush down here, close all the vents, get the ceiling closed, get the get the tanks closed, then open up rooms and other parts of the winemaking facility to let it air out because we could not let the CO2 escape like it usually would. We had to just close those tanks because we did not want to risk smoke getting into the facility Um, because if the tank was open, then it could get in. But if your tank's not open, you don't have to worry. And I mean, I'm not you know, an expert expert on, you know, smoke infiltration inside a facility. But when smoke is that far away from a winery, you know, you're not going to have even just a little ambient, um, you know, smoke that's in the air from a fire that's several miles away. Just a little bit of it inside of of a room that just naturally comes in from opening doors and closing doors. That's not going to have an impact on barrels. Um, and certainly not on bottles, which are, you know, glass bottles closed with capsules right. or anything like that. I think where the, the wineries um, have problems is if a fire burns literally up to your facility and the temperature of your facility spikes through the roof. We don't want that. And Correct. And if you also lost power and you didn't have a generator, so your fermentation tanks lost their their temperature control, that's where um, people run into problems. So it's we're just trying to get back to work. You know, yeah. it's a lot of a lot of people rely on visitors here. You know, for their livelihood, whether they work in a restaurant or a hotel, um, in a tasting room. And so, those people. It's a, this is a beautiful place to live. It's an expensive place to live. And so, you know, just getting back to normal and having visitors come back will help everybody um, recover from you know what what could have been you know extremely worse, but really was uh, just an amazing effort on the behalf of the you know thousands of firefighters and first responders who right. flooded the area to take this fire on. I think for a lot of people, it was personal. Um, they were not about to let another town in Sonoma County, um, you know, burn as a result of a fire, the, the urban fire that we had in 2017, the Tubbs fire, which, you know, only impacted a very small amount of vineyards and one one winery um, 
Paradise Ridge, but it went through um, Santa Rosa. So in that fire, for example, there were 2,800, a little over 2,800 homes um, burned in the Tubbs fire. Uh, since it burned through the town, um, whereas this one was out in the country, and I think it was 174 um, homes were were lost in this fire out in the mm. countryside. So That's, it's still uh, yeah. you know, horrible. No one should lose a home. But these, if when people are looking at the news and the headlines and saying, oh, my gosh, all of Sonoma County is burning, um, Tubbs Fire was a lot smaller than the Kincaid Fire. And like I said, the Kincaid Fire was only 7% of Sonoma County. This county is a, a beautiful, vast county with a lot of forests and a lot of land and um you know it's all the wine roads are still as beautiful as they were Good. before um the Kincaid fire and even i drove 128 yesterday to go to soda rock and check out um silver oak and just to see how it hawks and the gym towns tour and how everybody looks down there and even the hills where there's you know you can see where the fire went through it really doesn't doesn't it's still pretty i mean there's in the and the little um, meadows that were grassy that are now black here and there when the rain comes in a month they'll all turn green jordan is just magnificent if anyone listening has never been this is this is a really uh, fascinating place to go and you've had some some changes you mentioned maggie you've got a new winemaker now yeah yeah so yes maggie has been with us for um 14 years so she's not um new to jordan but certainly new to um, some folks that have known um, Rob Davis, our uh, winemaker who had been here since 1976, our first vintage. And so uh, he's now, you know, in his 60s. And so it was just kind of getting close to that time to pass the torch. And Maggie had uh, earned her stripes, if you will, for as long as she's been here and was ready to take over. And so we've been in this kind of transitional role for... um, kind of end of the growing season into harvest and you know she did a she did a knockout job it'll certainly be uh, for the first harvest to be solo <laughs> yeah. here um, it'll certainly be uh, be one to remember no and, and put in the record books but I tell you not 2000 18 and 2019 are both remarkable um, vintages. You know, 2017 was a little more challenging, a smaller year, interesting uh, weather patterns. But then 2018 was just a great crop. Mother Nature's like, sorry, you know, kind of like (laughs) 2011 and 2017 have kind of been the two challenging vintages of the last decade. And she came back in 2012 and 13 was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then it's kind of the same thing is happening with, with after 17 being a challenge. Now it's like 2018 was gorgeous and 2019 back to back again, like beautiful year, very moderate weather. Uh, we didn't have a lot of heat spikes this year. Um, the fruit is just really nice and balanced. The tannins are a little softer mm-hmm. um, is what Maggie's telling me from 2019 for the red wines. But for us, that's great because Jordan, we're all about making that silky smooth, more elegant um, style, style. Cabernet, yeah. more elegant. That's you know lower in alcohol, more balanced, more food friendly, more acidity in the wine. And so for us, it's it's great for our house style. And we've really been so far very pleased with the 2019 wines. And I think um, most people will be for those wines. You guys do two wines. You do the Cabernet and and the Chardonnay, and that's really you know the flagship. That's what what spearheads Jordan and. And I love how when you only have those two grapes, you still have to do other things to uh, to to be exciting. Well, no, they don't. They just a wine stand on their own. But you have caviar, and you've got these all these amazing different tastings at the tasting room, and and these tours through the vineyard, and eating and drinking in the vineyard. And it's just such a it's a fun place to visit and experience all that Sonoma has. I'm gonna have to get myself out there. You need to. 
I definitely need to check you that should, out. You should, yeah. What John, John Jordan likes to say is we focus on three things, Chardonnay, Cabernet, and hospitality. Yeah. And he's like, and when you, when you have that much focus, there's no room for mistakes. Like you, you can put such an emphasis on doing your best in each of those areas because we're not spreading ourselves thin, making 25 different wines mm-hmm. and all of that. And so we really do have a, have a fun with the hospitality aspect, whether it's, you know, creating vineyard hikes to take you out onto the property or new tastings in the vineyard or, you know, we're just always, we have new picnic experience that we just created that happens in the summertime where all the details are handled for you. You just show up and pick up your picnic basket and go to our (laughs) our pantry and make your own picnic basket. I'm ready to go. That sounds fun. I'm ready to go. Note to listeners, uh, Sonoma is open for business. Yes. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us again. Lisa Matson is with Jordan Vineyard in, and Winery in Healdsburg, Sonoma. Everything is good. We need to go visit, uh, support them, and, and buy some wine. <laughs> we will definitely be Please seeing do. you soon. <laughs> yeah. Come visit us in Healdsburg. Um, it's an absolutely beautiful town, and Jordan is located right outside of town, just a less than a 10-minute drive from downtown Healdsburg. Awesome. Thanks so much. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producers for online media are Anna Bejarano and Tara Halligan. Technical production is by Mike Canary. Great Minds theme music for Zante is by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check greatminds.org or call the Grapeline and ask us a wine question that we can address on a future show. That number is 707-200-3632. Thanks for listening.